Last week, I ended up finishing up talking about, um, in our story of Exodus, about the exodus from sin that Jesus, or sorry, the freedom from sin that Jesus brings us. And that how our life is a continuation of each day dying from self and living to God to be free from sin. That each day is about saying, God, not my will, but your will, and each day letting God's love and peace and joy fill us. Part of the problem with that is that um, sometimes our own minds can be our worst enemy. Charles Spurgeon wrote, Beware of no man or woman more than of yourself. We carry our worst enemies within us. Let me just tell you a, a little story that happened earlier this year just to illustrate that. You might remember the beginning of this year we had our first combined service with the Lakes College here. Um, it was early on in the, in the term. I think we'd only been back at school a few weeks. And we tried a few things differently this, this year with the Lakes College. We involved them much more in the service and we tried to get together musicians from here and there together. And the whole thing was, you know, a bit rushed and a little bit stressful. The morning of that service, we were still putting things together as we were going, as is the way sometimes with these services, and I was uh, quite stressed or a little bit stressed. Anyway, and Ben decided to interview me at the beginning of the service. I'm not quite sure, quite sure why. And he asked me how I was feeling. And I said, you know, I'm feeling stressed, blah, blah, blah. And then I had one of those moments where, you know, sometimes you open your mouth, words come out, and about two seconds later your brain kicks in and thinks, why did I say that? And I said something along the lines of, you know, I'm stressful. You know what they say about working with animals and children. And I thought... And then as soon as I said I thought, why did I say that? I was just trying to get across the fact that I was stressed, but the, the wrong words came out. And he didn't say anything. It just sort of was, you know, it was a bit quick and things just kept moving. For the rest of that service, I was just mentally kicking myself in the head going, you idiot. Why did you say that? You, you've offended every parent, every young person, every teacher in the entire school, and they all hate you now. I couldn't focus, I don't, the rest of the service was a blur. You know, I went home and I talked to Lisa and she remembers this and Ben and I talked to him endlessly about it and she said, I didn't even remember, I wasn't even really listening at that point. So, oh, well, whatever. Um, but still, I was convinced. And then I talked to Ben and he said, oh, I, I barely remember it, you know, no one said anything to me about it, but I was still convinced that everyone, you know, had offended every person and through that whole week, this thing is still playing over my head. You're an idiot. You've done this. You've damaged your relationship with the school and everyone else, you know. And it took me a long time to get over that. And even now, telling that story and thinking about it, preparing for the sermon, it brought up the same things. You idiot. How could you do that? Now, obviously, I'm a very screwed up person. But anyway, the truth of this is actually quite common. Research has shown that each of us has between 20 to 40,000 thoughts a day, depending on how you define what a thought is. And of those thoughts, generally 70 to 80% of them are negative. Negative thoughts that we tell ourselves. 70 to 80%. This is what psychologists have analysed. And generally those negative thoughts come in three categories. We compare ourselves to others. We seek love and approval or don't think we're getting love or approval. Or based on our performance. We think we're not doing what we should do as well as we should do it. 
And that constant stream of thoughts is what this author, Steve Furtick, calls chatterbox. This endless chattering that goes on inside our minds. And part of that's just normal. And not all thoughts, you know, it's quite normal to have some negative thoughts because, you know, sometimes we need negative thoughts. They help us improve. But, you know, a good negative thought for me after that comment would have been, well, okay, that wasn't the best thing in the world. You didn't mean it, but let's just go over it and move on. Un 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 sorry, an unhelpful negative thought was, you're an idiot, you're stupid, you've wrecked everything. There's a difference. So this series of the next four sermons, we're going to be looking at this book and four of the points that he talks about for counteracting this chatterbox, for helping us stop listening to the chatter so that we can actually hear God's voice, what it says to us. And so over the next four weeks, I'm just going to bring out the main four points. It's a bit of a summary, but I encourage you, if this is something that you, is relevant to you, to get the book and to read it. It's easy to read and it might be worthwhile. So in that book, he talks about there are four issues in our minds that stop us hearing God's voice. Insecurity, fear, condemnation, and discouragement. They're the negative negative thoughts, if you want to put it that way, rather than a positive negative thought. When they're based on insecurity, you're not good enough, fear of the future, condemnation, you're worthless, or discouragement, there's no point. They're lies in our mind that are not helpful at all. And instead he talks about four truths of God. God says, I am. God says, he will. God says, he has. And God says, I can. And it says about combating those lies in our mind with the truth of what God says about us. So this morning, we're starting with overcoming security. God says, I am. In the book, and it, um, Steve talks about how we all seek approval. It's a human need. Sometimes I hear people saying, I don't need approval of anyone. Actually, when I hear those people say that, what I usually hear them saying is saying, I don't actually care about anyone, and therefore I don't care what they think about me. The only way that we can not care about what people think of us is if we don't care about other people. As soon as we care about someone else, we then care about what they think about us. And he likens it to like this. Sometimes life is a bit of like that you know, reality TV show, The Voice. There's the contestant up on stage with he or she singing their heart out. And there, there's three judges with their backs turned. And the contestant is just desperately hoping that one of them will press the buzzer, turn around and face them and giving them approval. And of course, each time that the judge does up, there's a cheer and a celebration in the crowd. But I don't know if you've ever watched that show. How terrible is it when someone gets up there does their best, sings their hearts out, and three judges stay there with their backs turned. And you're left thing feeling for that person at the end. They put themselves, they made them vulnerable, and they got zero approval. What must it do for their self-esteem? And he says sometimes that's how we are in our lives. We're desperately looking for approval from other people. Sometimes in healthy ways, sometimes in unhealthy ways. 
But he says the foundation of a good self-esteem is actually learning that the foundation of ourselves has to come from God's approval of us. When we know and trust God's approval of us, it gives us a firm foundation for the rest of our life. The problem is with that is that too often people have got this idea that to get God's approval, we have to earn it. We have to be good enough. We have to do enough good things. And, or we feel like, you know, God loves me because he has to, but doesn't really like me. You know, who I am, the, you know, who I actually am, I'm not really valued by God. He just loves me because that's in his role description. You're God, you've got to love everyone. But you don't really, really like me. Part of the, that psalm reading from 139 tells us a different story. It says that God was there at the beginning when we first came into being in our mother's womb. God knows us exactly for who we are, for our good and for our bad, because we're all a mixture of both. And that God not only loves us, but likes us as he created us. God likes us and loves us as he created us. We don't have to earn it or do anything to get that. And sometimes we, you know, we talk about being more Christ-like and following God. In the end, God wants that for us, not because it earns his love, but because it's good for us. God wants us to learn to follow his son because it's the best way of life for us, not because it's going to earn his love for us. That's already there. So the beginning point of this is understanding the truth. God loves us and likes us and approves of us as people as we are. God says, you are my creation. You have the heart tick of approval. From that point, we can then choose to follow God more, and God says, come follow my son Jesus, because it is the way of life. It is good for you. Doing it won't make me love you more or like you more, but it's good for you. That is why I've done it. And that has to be the foundation of our self-esteem. Fertis also says, the voice you believe will determine the future you experience. Because of what I've just said as a truth about how God loves us and likes us is not the only voice in our head. Often there's another voice saying, actually, you're pretty hopeless. Or, you know, you did this wrong. You're not worth it. You're not going to amount to anything. There are two voices that go on in our head constantly. Which one we choose to believe will determine how well we experience life. And he talks about how the fact is you can't get rid of those two voices. They're always going to be there. The question is, which one are we going to listen to? That's our choice. Which voice will we choose to believe? And he says, don't spend your life trying to gain acceptance from other people or from God. Instead, spend your energy aligning your life with God's acceptance of you. God already loves you and accepts you, so just align your life with that. 
Don't try and earn it. It's already there. How do we do that? Part of that is reciting the truth. There's a great story about John Wesley. Before he had that experience where his heart was warmed and he experienced the grace of God, he was a, a, a minister and a, and a priest and a preacher, and he was preaching the grace of God by faith. But as he confessed to another guy, he didn't know if he really believed himself. He said, what am I to do? I'm preaching faith, salvation through faith, and I'm not sure if it's true. I, I haven't experienced it. And his mentor and a great missionary said to him, preach it until you believe it, and when you believe it, you will preach it. Preach it until you believe it, and when you believe it, you will preach it because you can't do anything else. To convert a head truth to a heart truth, there is only one way. Keep telling yourself the same thing over and over again until one day you finally believe it in your heart. Our verse for today comes from Psalm, and it says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I wonder if you can say that with me. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'll say it once again. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Part of what he says is to overcome those voices, is each time you're kicking yourself mentally around the block, telling yourself how hopeless and how worthless you are, repeat this. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And keep doing it. Today, tomorrow, the next day, for the next week, until you come to that day where you actually believe it in your heart. Keep repeating that truth, listening to that voice. Don't listen to the other voice. Repeat this. This is the truth of Scripture. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God loves you and accepts you right now before you do anything else. Repeat that consistently. And as you do that, some of the chatterbox, the negativity, will fall away and now you're able to hear God's love and grace more clearly. So I just want to leave you with that. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Use that through the next week. Let's pray. Gracious God, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That is your truth for us. Help us to believe it. Help us to keep repeating that truth, to train our hearts and minds into accepting that you love us. And then help us to align our lives with your love and acceptance, to follow your son Jesus out of thankfulness, not out of need for approval, because you already love and approve of us. In Jesus' name, amen.